We just sang the title of the series that I'm finishing today. Uh, we've been talking about the more than enough that God has given us in life. We've been talking about it uh, from, the, from the angle of God being generous and us needing to be generous if we're going to follow him. It's just part of the, the process, the, the, the experience that we have in life with him. I'm going to uh, pop back into 1 Samuel for a few weeks just so you can kind of know where we're going. Through the rest of November, we'll do that. And then December, we're going to start a Christmas series. Thank, uh, by the way, you're welcome to everybody who's already singing Christmas songs. We put the trees up for you. They're right out there. Looks pretty nice out there. Yeah, all the people who like that, that's for you. Um, I will not sing a Christmas song until December 1st. I will not. All right. Okay. But we can love each other anyway. Isn't that great? Uh, we'll be doing a series in, at the, uh, during the Christmas season called Fear Not. It's going to be uh, just a fun one to talk about as we talk about the confidence God gives us in life. But for our purposes today, let's talk about generosity. I just said it. My first salvo in this sermon is this. God is generous. I don't usually call for amens, but can I get an amen on that? Amen. That is so true. God is a generous God. Uh, we are blessed beyond what we deserve because uh, we deserve nothing, and God gives us more than enough. Uh, so God is generous, and he wants us to be generous too. That's been my whole thing. If you haven't been picking up what I've been putting down, that has, is what I've been talking about. I, I, I've been saying to you through all three of these sermons um, that generosity is something I want for you, not from you. This is not a sermon series because the offerings are down at Bay Life. God has, they can always be higher, but, but, uh, but God has always provided for our church in the, in the 30, almost 30 years of our existence. We have always had enough, and he's been good to us in that. So this is not like, oh, we're going to have to shut the lights off. Um, it's not something I want from you. It's something I want for you. Guess what? It's something that God wants for you and not from you. Don't, don't, don't be listening to me today and thinking, well, God needs my money, so here we go. God does not need your money. In fact, can I just remind you that your money is his money already? Like if he wants it, he's God. He's going to come and get it, just so you know. He's gracious to us and doesn't. Who's grateful for that? Anybody? But it's his. My first Christmas uh, where my kids uh, bought us Christmas gifts, I was reminded of this. Uh, my wife took our kids, I think they were three, four, and five, maybe four, five, and six, really young and she wanted to teach them the principle of giving and not just receiving at Christmas. And so she took them to Big Lots, gave them each like five bucks to buy something for their dad so they could wrap it up and put it under the tree. I woke up, and the first gift I opened was from my son Cooper. Uh, it was this, or something like this. Uh, it was a mixing bowl, and I said, oh, thank you. I said, why'd you get me this, bud? And he says, so on those nights when you eat lots of bowls of cereal, you can only have, you only have to pour one. So that kind of gives you a little peek into my <laughs> eating habits in the 20s. Uh, I would come home after a long day of uh, hanging out with high schoolers and be hungry, and I didn't want to have to cook anything, so I would take whatever the box of cereal was in our pantry and apparently eat multiple bowls of cereal. So uh, I opened my next gift, and, and it was uh, kind of a, a tandem gift to that. Uh, it was 10 tablespoons. My... Uh, Apparently my sons both shopped in the housewares department, and uh, so I got 10 tablespoons from Ben, and I said, Ben, uh, spoons, thank you, why? And he says, well, first of all, I know you like to eat your cereal with a tablespoon, and I do that because I'm a sane human being. What are the rest of you doing with those little teaspoons eating like one Cheerio at a time? What is your problem? All right. I digress. And, uh, but I said, Ben, you got me 10 here, and he says, well, yeah, Dad. 
We've been playing pirate, there's so many words, uh, playing pirate in the backyard and we were burying treasure and we, uh, we used spoons to dig the holes and we ran out of treasure so we've buried all of your tablespoons in the backyard. These are to replace those and I uh, thought that was a very thoughtful gift. My, uh, my daughter Kai, I remember her buying me a pair of socks, right? Uh, so this was my first haul for my children. Um, a mixing bowl, some socks, and some spoons. I sat there, and, and while just I guarantee you, I was so overjoyed as a father to be receiving from my kids, to, to, to see them exercising this, this uh, you know, muscle that is generosity. Loved it. But as I looked at my gifts, I was like, huh, kind of underwhelming, right? Uh, you know, not something that I um, am going to necessarily use all the time or, or look forward to using. it. They'll be very utilitarian, but uh, a little underwhelming. And then, this is what I thought at the end of it. Hey, I paid for all that stuff. <laughs> like, they went shopping and they got all this stuff and they're sitting there all proud of themselves. Look what we got, Dad. They didn't get Dad anything. Dad got Dad a mixing bowl, tablespoons, and some socks. And, and it, it, since that happened... As I've preached about being generous and giving over the years, I've always come back to that story. Maybe you've heard me tell it before. But it just so uh, uniquely and succinctly uh, nails what's happening when we give to God. He doesn't need what we have. In fact, when we give it, we give it from what he's given us. So don't hear me when I say we need to be generous because God is generous. He wants us to be generous too, that he needs our stuff. He doesn't. So why does God want us to be generous then? If it's not because he needs our stuff, why? Why does he ask us to be generous? There's probably lots of things we could say here, but I just want to say a couple things. The first one is this. He calls us to be generous so that we'll learn the important lessons of trusting, resting, seeking him. Trusting in, resting in, and seeking him. Uh, having our who more than what we have. By that I mean this. So often in life, that's why you know, in other parts of Scripture, uh, rich people are, are described as those who have a hard time seeing God entering his kingdom. It's because they put their trust in their stuff, what they've accrued. It's their security. God wants us to be open-handed with our stuff, to be generous with what he's given us. So that our trust won't be, you know, pulled from him and onto our things. It's more about our who than our what. 2,000 verses on money and its use in the Bible. Uh, would it surprise you to know that we often find them in the same zip code as these messages of trust and dependence on God? One of the most famous um, uh, teachings on trusting in God is in Proverbs chapter 3. You've probably got these verses on a coffee mug somewhere in your, in your house. Uh, maybe you heard them, memorized them as a kid. Uh, Solomon's writing to his sons, the princes of Israel, and he's giving them his wisdom. And he says in Proverbs 3, read it with me, English Standard Version here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Sounding familiar? Who's got this one? Anybody got this one? Yeah. In all your ways, acknowledge him, verse 6, and he will make straight your paths. It's a, it's a pretty you know, general easily understood passage. Trust God, not you. Follow him, not you. It's, it's 
revisited when Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount as he's talking to a bunch of people who are without, and he says, don't be worrying about what you're eating and drinking and how you're going to clothe yourself and your kids. Trust in me. Seek first, he says in Matthew 6, 33, there on the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the rest will take care of itself. I'm paraphrasing, but all these things will be added unto you. Trust God. Lean into God. Those verses in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, pretty well known. You may not know verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. 7 and 8 go like this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear or revere the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh, verse 8, and a refreshment to your bones. It's kind of a, a reprisal of what he says in 5, 6. He's, he's basically saying, hey, man, trust God. Seek him. Choose him. It'll work out. It'll be a refreshment to you. It'll be a healing to you. Choose God and not yourself. And so Solomon's teaching his sons, and he says, how can I make this practical to you? How can I bring this down to street level so that you know what I'm talking about? Let's, let's figure out the ways that this trust in God is meant to be realized in the lives that we live. Guess where he goes first? You could go to relationships. You could go to um, you know, your work life. You could go to just all these different uh, avenues and venues. But he starts with your stuff here in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. He says, when you do that, the barns that you have will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is really uh, a good time for me to kind of insert this. There's a, a, a false gospel that's being preached in churches today. They take verses like this and they say, hey man, if you give, God will fill your barns. And that's the point of giving. The reason that you give is so that you can receive. There's other parts of scripture that speak strongly against this kind of giving. We do not give so as to receive. This is a heresy, a false teaching. Turn the channel when the guy starts preaching it. In fact, the guy on television who's teaching this stuff just wants the next jet. Are you with me? Stay away from that guy. He's not from Jesus. Certainly not preaching his word. But the principle still applies in this way. If you'll only trust me, I will provide what you need. In fact, I will go beyond what you could imagine in my provision. It'll always be better you trusting me over you trusting you. You putting your faith in what you have over putting your faith in the one that you have. So the next reason that God gives us for why we should be generous as he is generous is kind of tied to that. Giving unleashes blessings in life that we could never know except that we gave. And most of us get this. We agree with what Paul said about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 25. Paul said that Jesus said that it's better to give than to receive. Have you heard that one before? That's your Savior speaking. Paul's quoting him in the book of Acts. It's better to give than to receive. I uh, took some time learning that, but I think in my life uh, I have experienced that. Don't get me wrong, I love receiving. That's not a hint for anybody, that's just honesty. But I am much more joyful on Christmas morning watching people open the stuff I got them than I am opening the stuff they got me. Are you with me? There is something that happens in the generous life that can only be experienced when we give. Malachi came to Israel in a 
period of its history where it was far from God. This was a common occurrence in the, in the story of the, the children of Abraham. Uh, he comes and he, he, he takes them to task and he, he, he takes them to task in their, in their hoarding of the things that God has provided for them. He says this to them in chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This was what was required of every Israelite. Israelite. If you were a Jew uh, in the Old Testament system, uh, a tenth of everything that was your yield, whether it was your livestock or your, your, your uh, fields, was brought to the temple for the purposes of providing for the Levites who, who, who led you know, in the church and also provi- for providing for the poor who would come to the temple for their their needs. They, they had lack, and so they would seek God and what he had brought in from the rest of Israel to provide for themselves to survive um, uh, their less. Uh, so uh, Malachi says, hey, Israel, bring the tithe. Tithe is a tenth. It's part of our, our faith, our religion. It's, it's, it needs to be brought to the house so that there may be food in God's house. And thereby, this is God speaking through Malachi. He's, he says, God says, thereby put me to the test. Only time in Scripture that God says, try me, test me. In fact, everywhere else in Scripture we hear about God being tested, not favorably received by our Father. But here he says, come on, just give, just be generous and watch me work. He says, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down from you a blessing until there is no more need. Again, not a blab it and grab it passage. Not a get-rich-quick scheme. I don't know how, if anyone won the Powerball last night, but, but giving to God is not a Powerball opportunity. Are you with me? But giving to God will bless us, probably not materially. Sometimes, certainly that happens. But we'll be blessed with the joy that only comes from being on this side of the giving equation. I got a friend in uh, Dallas. He's my buddy Gary. Uh, God has blessed his life. He's been very successful in the business that he's a part of. And so everything's paid for, and he's just kind of in that fun stage of life, right? And he loves to give. He loves to give to strangers. One of his favorite gigs is he goes to Jack in the Box. It's a fast food chain, and he, he drops five $100 bills on the counter to the guy who's at the cash register at 5 o'clock. And he says, everybody's dinner's on me tonight. I'm going to sit in the back of this restaurant and nurse a Diet Coke for the next three hours and, and I just want to watch. And you're not allowed to point to me, refer to me, uh, explain that I'm the one that gave. I just want to sit here and I want to watch as people receive free jack-in-the-box from you. Let's go. Oh, if they ask you uh, who paid for it, just tell, tell them that God is taking care of your food tonight. All right? And so people come in. And, of course, there's the, you know, the initial uh, receivers. They're like, awesome. Give me three of everything. And, they, you know, they... Uh, take advantage of, uh, of my friend's generosity. But invariably in these experiences, someone comes in, and it's for that moment that Gary gave that, that gift. Because it's a mom who's obviously been at work too long. Uh, her nurse's outfit is all disheveled. She's got three kids who've been in daycare too long. And they're all yanking on her, you know, her pant legs as they, you know, clamor to her uh, for the meal that she has scraped all of the change compartments in her car to be able to pay for. Have you, and, and, and everybody's in a bad mood. She's stressed. Her kids are whining. And she gets to this cash register. And the guy says, hey, man, can I take your order? And she orders the very least. She has it calculated. She knows what this will buy. 
And she's, you know, she's making that order. And the guy will say, uh, hey, you know what? God's paying for the food tonight. Do you want more? And the look will come over this woman's face. He's like, who? And, and he tries to explain, seriously, if you'd like to get more, you can. And the kid's here, and they start ordering everything on this side of the menu. And food is flying at Jack in the Box, and this woman is pocketing the little money that she has. And the look on her face is what Gary sits in the corner for, right? Because he understands that it is, as Jesus says, better to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that? Hope so. So God is generous. He wants us to be. Not because he needs what we give, but because we need what he gives when we give. Being generous reminds us to depend on our who over what we have. And it opens up to us the blessings that can't be experienced apart from giving in his name. Those are the whys. Let me talk to you about the hows of generosity in the time that we got left. Everybody take your finger like this, put it on your lips and go. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, you didn't even do it. You could have done it right then. You didn't do it. Just one more time. Everybody with me one more time? Okay, we'll do it later. Anyway, uh, three B's of generosity. You're wondering what that had to do with anything. I mostly just wanted to have fun. The three B's of generosity. Let me give them to you if you want to go home early. Be spontaneous. Be strategic. And be sacrificial when it comes to being generous. We'll start with being spontaneous with generosity. Have you ever noticed that need is not on schedule? You can't calendar want. It's just going to happen. Engines are going to die. Trees are going to fall. Storms are going to come. That's been in our news. Need, it goes unscheduled. And therefore, it is uh, on those who have been blessed by God to be ready to bless as need occurs. I, I submit this to you. We should pray every day, not just for our daily bread, which God taught us to do, right? But for the opportunity to take that daily bread and steward it as he would have us steward it to those who are in need, Give me not just what I need for life, but what I need so that I can give to others in life. Help me find my receivers. We are all going to pray that for Tom today as he, Brady. Anyway, okay, uh, but, but as we, sorry, I thought the Bucks fans would get that right away. Anyway, yeah, you're not even praying anymore, right? This season's over. All right, uh, I'm trying. I, I love Tom. Go Pats. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? We should wake up every morning and ask God to lead us to the receivers that he would have us give to in life. I love the stories that Jesus would tell about this. One of my favorites is one that's familiar to you, I'm sure. He's asked about uh, who's my neighbor in, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 10, and he, he launches into this story about a guy who's leaving Jerusalem. He gets mugged, he's beat up and stripped down, he's left for dead. And he talks about these two guys, these religious muckety-mucks who uh, don't have a heart of generosity at all. In fact, they're completely absorbed with themselves to the point that where, uh, you know, they come across this guy, they stay on the other side of the road so as not to become ceremonially unclean. 
Uh, and they certainly don't help. But then here comes this guy. He's a Samaritan. He's introduced in the story. And you got to know that everybody listening to Jesus say this thing is like, boo, Samaritans, because they were the most reviled race uh, that lived within the boundaries of Israel. They were a half-breed race. They had mixed with the unclean Gentiles. They worshipped on the wrong hill. They were bad, bad, bad. And so here comes this Samaritan, this unnamed man, into the story. They're thinking probably, oh, this guy's going to be even worse than those other guys. But he becomes the hero. Why? Because in verse 34, Jesus tells his story. This Samaritan went to him, and he, um, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he, he goes to him, and he binds up his wounds, he pours oil and wine on them. It's kind of like a, a, an ancient urgent care situation. Uh, he set up his, uh, or he set this, this injured man on his own am- animal, 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 and he brought him to a, an inn. I like to think it was La Quinta, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out uh, two denarii, which we're like, well, uh, it was two days' wages. I don't know what you make a day, uh, but I don't know if you just give that to a stranger. Uh, that you met on the road, but this guy did. He, he said, here's two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of this guy, and, and what's more, whatever uh, is in, in, in excess of this two denarii, uh, just keep a tab, and when I return, I'll repay. Now, we all love that he's going to you know, pay the other bill. I think the most amazing thing is he's coming back. Like, he's got to go do whatever he's got to do, but his compassion and his willing to, willingness to give doesn't stop here, it extends into a future where he is already promised to be present and to pay. (laughs) Jesus finishes and says, all right, which one of those three guys is the neighbor? And everybody listening begrudgingly says, Samaritan. And what made him a good neighbor? Compassion, but not just compassion. It's easy to have compassion. Are, Are you a feeler? Some of you guys are feelers more than me. Like, you feel compassion deeply. And that's great. It's a good start. Everybody with me on that? Should we be compassionate? Someone say yes. Yeah. Yeah. But if we just feel it and don't act it, if it stays here and doesn't end up here, what good is that? A good neighbor feels for the one in need and acts on their behalf. So we need to be ready. We need to be spontaneous in our giving always prepared when we see a need to give it. Uh, I have a maniacally generous sister. My older sister um, just well, lives to give. And so uh, throughout her life, she has gone through drive throughs and paid for the person behind her. Uh, and then she just kind of does what Gary does, pauses, sees the rear view mirror, watches the confusion wash over the face of the person driving the car behind her, and then speeds off with that same feeling of joy. But she'll just do it because she'll be praying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to give? And God will say, pay for the minivan behind you. Maybe this week God will compel you as you're driving past the person flying the sign at the end of your drive through line to give whatever you bought to that person and get back in line. If you're at Chick-fil-A, sorry, it's going to be a while. But maybe that's how you give. But however God leads you to give, we need to do it will, uh, willingly joyfully and with a sense of the Spirit leading us as we do. Um, 25 years ago, uh, Eleanor and I uh, were a single-income family with three little kids, and the income uh, was a youth pastor's income at the time, which was not as much as I get now. Anyway, 
So, so there's less resources. We still have the same commitments of being generous to God and staying out of debt. Uh, but some months, there was just more month than, than resource. And so this one month happened. The, uh, the, <laughs> the transmission in our, in our van uh, died. I was the cause of that. That's another story. But uh, uh, it needed to be repaired. And, and, and we could have taken, like most of us do, a credit card and paid for that. Um, because we just didn't have any margin, but we didn't want to do that. We were praying and asking God to provide, you know, miraculously for the cost of this without telling other people. I walked into my office a few days later, and sitting on the chair in my office was a fat envelope. There was, sorry, there was $1,500 in that envelope. Uh, that was right around the price of what it was going to cost to fix our transmission. Uh, I got emotional. I called my wife. We celebrated loudly over the phone, uh, and we paid that bill. That could have been the end of the story, but uh, I used it as an illustration a few months later in, in a teaching that I was giving. And sheepishly, this man who had just recently joined our youth ministry team, his name was Monty, uh, came up to uh, Eleanor and I and after, and he says, listen, I don't want, you know, um, but as you told that story, because I told the effect that that had it on my life, um, and Eleanor's life, um, he said, I, I I just started crying back there because I was the guy who dropped the envelope. Monty came from oil. He had envelopes all over the place. And uh, uh, he said, but I get, and I had no idea that that was what God was going to do in that story. And the three of us stood there in the back. And who do you think was the most blessed? Mark and Eleanor certainly were good, but Monty, he was just floored because just at the prompting of God with what was not really a big, you know, dent in his pocket, he had made a huge difference in the lives of two people that he was ministering with and whom that he loved. Hmm. You need to be spontaneous in your generosity. Uh, if you got your cell phone, has anybody ever paid anybody on Venmo or Zeal or anything like that? All right, take it out. Come on, let's have some fun. Here we go. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but perhaps God would just even have you give to somebody right now through the miracle of cell phone technology. I'm not saying you give to the church if that where God leads you, fine. But uh, I'm going to give, Eleanor was here for her service. Uh, I decided before I got up here, this is a late addition to my sermon, that I would give my kids money. So I asked Eleanor for her service, how much should I give Ben? And she said 100 bucks. I was like, come on, babe. I was thinking like, I don't know, five? I mean, it's just, you know, it's just an illustration. <laughs> It doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, it'll be a, you know, a trip to Taco Bell. It'll be fine. But uh, uh, Eleanor wins in these situations. And so um, I'm giving my, all three of my kids 100 bucks a day. And you're like, you're going to get it back at lunch. No, I'm not going to get it back at lunch. It's theirs. Uh, they need it more than I do. And it's how, my point is, it's how God just leads us. It, it doesn't have to be right now. I don't see anybody holding their phones. That's fine. You don't have to do what the pastor said. It's no big deal. It's just church. It's no big deal. Uh, <laughs> but I am telling you, and I hope you're hearing me, that generosity is not scheduled. You need to be ready with what God has given you to give as he leads. But don't leave it just for those moments. Can I encourage you with what the Bible teaches us? Be strategic in your giving. Have a plan. Uh, you're not going to be able to be spontaneous in your giving if you haven't been uh, planned and, 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 and measured in how you steward the things that God has given you. 
If it's not there to give, it's not, it's not there to give. I, I uh, decided a week and a half ago or so now to make some chocolate chip cookies for a family that's just going through it. It's one of the ways that I say I love you. You can probably tell. And, uh, and so I, I sought to make these cookies. I went through all the ingredients, and guess what? I only had three of them. There's seven. Uh, and so I just didn't make them. The end. Is that the story? No, good. I, I, I'm glad you feel that I'm not as big a jerk as, as maybe I could be. Um, uh, I went to the store. I, I made a list. I got all the things that were necessary so I could give to this family. It's the same thing that God wants us to do. Have a plan when it comes to your money. Tell it where to go. Uh, make sure that you have enough so that you can be generous. I was studying uh, this week and went to a passage that I rarely read. It's in Isaiah 32. Isaiah, another uh, prophet, was speaking of a time where things would be uh, ideal and perfect, but he was describing in juxtaposition to those times uh, that are, are to come um, the way things were in his current world. And he talked about the foolish. He said this. He says, fools speak foolishness. That checks out. And they make evil plans. They, they practice ungodliness and they spread false teachings about the Lord. They and this is one of the ways that they're wicked with their plans. They, they plan to be hoarders, to keep for themselves the things that God would have them give for the sake of others. They deprive the hungry of food and they give no water to the thirsty. Mine, 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 says the fool. But Isaiah goes on and he says this. In the New Living Translation, it goes like this. Be generous, but generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. So generous people make a plan. I could go to lots of different places in Scripture, but I think we should have a plan that includes a regular and proportionate gift to God wherever he designs. Once more, doesn't have to be at Bay Life. I don't know, you know that it's a, a wrong thing to say that if you go to church here, you give here some as well. But if God leads you to give your money somewhere else, I'm more concerned that you're generous and ready to give and willing to give in a spontaneous and strategic way than I am in getting what you give. I hope you hear that. If you follow the God who has given, you should be a giver. And for that to happen and to become a, a pattern in your life, you're gonna have to make plans. Say no to some things. Order your life in such a way that you can be generous and give. Now, I, I had them print up, we have this incredible team of, uh, you know, money people and math people and our staff that keep me away from all that, and, and they did a great job just giving me some data for our church. Um, I'm not going to share all of it, I, I was kind of overwhelmed by it, but uh, uh, suffice it to say, we have enough by the grace of God, amen? But it's interesting, if you've ever heard some of these ratios, that about 20% of our body that gives, there's tons of you that don't, I, I believe, that still aren't giving yet, but there's, there's a portion of us that do. About 20% of us who give, give about 80% of the dollars that come in. And that could be for all kinds of reasons. People make more and less and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying. Are you with me? But there's this, uh, there's this other side of that pie chart where there's about 40% of the people who give anything, and let me start by saying thank you for giving anything, who only give about $6 a week. And that could be because they're only making about $300 a month, but if median average incomes are you know, kind of there and they're just trying to give somewhere in the 10% or some percentage range, six seems kind of low. Are you with me? 
And here's, what, here's my only deduction from that. There's lots of people who want to give, um, would, would, would like the idea of giving, occasionally do give, but they just don't have a plan to give. So it's sporadic. It's, it's, it's not as much as it could be if they would just reorder things in such a way that it became a greater priority. <laughs> Generous people... Uh, rearrange things so that they can give. I, it, during COVID, we, we just started subscribing to a bunch of streamers, you know, these streaming apps that you could watch shows with because that's all, all that we were doing, basically, sitting in our house and watching Netflix and all that stuff. Does anybody remember? Has anybody got some of those streaming apps that you haven't watched in the last three months? Uh, those are kind of some of the things that, that could go. Everybody's got stuff that could go. Come on. Uh, uh, less trips through Starbucks. There's all kinds of things that could go so that we could be in a better position to spontaneously and strategically gift. You just got to order your budget in such a way that you can. But most of the time when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I'd love to give more. I just can't. And I look at them and I say, in all the love that Jesus has for you, liar. <laughs> Some of you are new here and you're like, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> Maybe. But I just don't believe that. Here's, here's what they, usually they're saying, I can't give a tenth. The Bible doesn't require you. It says be a joyful giver and give. It doesn't require a tenth. You're not going to go to hell if you don't give a tenth. Are you with me? But everybody should give something. Every, if you follow Jesus, you should give. doesn't have to be here. You should give. And you should quit making the excuse for yourself that you can't give. It's a matter of priorities. And you just organize things so that you can be generous. It's not hard. We all have what we have. We just have to figure out how to do it right. So it's strategic. It's a plan. It's first things first. <laughs> when we say that we need to be strategic in our giving, we, we need to, as Israel was taught, put God first in the stuff that he's given us. First fruits were just that. The first portions of the harvest went to God, and then you lived off of everything else. Who hasn't been in the family where the mom or the dad come home, comes home after a long day of work or whatever, and uh, the family, the other spouse and the kids have gotten pizza. They've ordered the pizza, and they're just wiping the residue of whatever they've just chowed on off their faces as this, you know, hardworking, uh, you know, father or mother walks in. And they're like, oh, great, pizza. And everybody looks up in horror because for whatever reason, the excitement of the pizza has caused them to forget that this other person is in their family, right? And they've just plowed through all three boxes of dominoes. And, and, and you open the lid. This has happened in my life, not recently. But you've, you, and all you see is like one little pepperoni that they somehow missed in my daughter's crusts, because Kai doesn't eat the crust. And I, you know, I've, I've been in that scene, and I'm like, you guys, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, Dad, we totally forgot you were in existence. And, uh, <laughs> and so we ate everything, but hey, and this happens. Hey, you can still have the crusts. <laughs> and that's what, that's what people of God do. Oh, Father, totally forgot you existed. Took every, by the way, paid for the pizza. Took everything that you got us, ate all of it, but you can have the crusts. There's a pepperoni right there. And that's how a lot of the church gives. When I'm done, you can have what's left over. And what God says is, no, 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 first fruits. Uh, in, the, in the situations where that has happened, there's been a conversation. 
so that the next time there's a pizza ordered, there's a memory in place of how the last time went. Who's been in this conversation, anybody? And so when I get home, guess what's happened in that uh, iteration? There is a plate with several pieces of pizza upon it. It's been wrapped with care and placed in the fridge. And you walk in and your children usher you to your spot in the table. And one of them nukes your pizza for you and tucks your napkin in and says, Father, we've thought of you first. Enjoy your pizza, yeah. Okay, some of that I might have embellished, but it still brings to bear the way that the people of God should live. God gets the first slice, man. It's his. He's asked us to be generous for all the reasons that I gave you, so that we'll trust in him, so that we'll experience the joy of what generosity brings, but he deserves it all. And so he gets a strategic first. Be spontaneous, be strategic, be sacrificial from time to time. Just go crazy with the given. God doesn't require all of it all the time. Is anybody grateful for that? Have we talked about that? He could ask for everything. But he just says be generous. And in, in moments where, where you sense the leading of the spirit, be super generous. Jesus tells all these stories about people who gave a little and it meant a lot. One of the stories, he's in the temple uh, and in Mark chapter 12, he's actually watching people give their gifts. That'd be like me standing back there at the giving box and just staring at you as you put yours in, right? That's what Jesus is doing. And, and one by one, it tells us in Mark 12 that some very affluent uh, Jews were coming to the, to the temple giving box and they were dropping these huge bags. Money was, was weighted back then. It was the amount of ore, not the numbers of coins. And so um, you would drop these you know, huge bags of, of money and it would make this huge sound, thud, right? And I'm picturing some of these rich guys being like, you know, holding it a little bit higher, right? So you could get that effect, boom. And everybody turns around and be like, oh, you know, Felix just gave, whoo. Good week for him, right? Jesus is watching all these rich guys come. And then here comes this widow. And if you don't know, in the first century, widows, orphans, they didn't have the government to fall back on. If they were without, they were without. If their families weren't providing for them, they lived on the street and they had nothing to show for it. But here comes this widow into the, into the temple to give and she's got these two farthings is what the old King James calls it. It, it amounts to about a penny. It's nowhere near what these other big bag money givers are given. And she drops it in there. And Jesus gathers his friends around. He says, hey, guys, who gave the most? And everybody's like, Felix, did you hear that? Felix gave a big bag of money. And Jesus is like, no, she gave the most. Why? Because she gave everything she had. She loved her God enough to give it all. Reminds me of this other kid who was at a, a big gathering Jesus was teaching at. There's 5,000 men, their families. Uh, it's nearing the end of the day, and Jesus says, hey, we got to feed these guys, his disciples. You remember the story, right? His disciples are like, you're crazy. There's nothing here to feed them with, and just to prove it, we'll go out and ask. And so they go out and ask, and they're like, I told you, all we got is Jimmy. Jimmy brought his Lunchables, and he's willing to give it to everybody here, so obviously we're sending them home. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and, and then he looks at Jim, and he's like, 
mm, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jim. Man, I just love that you were willing to take what you had and give it to me. Don't think for a minute that amongst the 5,000, there weren't more people hiding their lunch buckets. Are you with me? But he looks at this little kid who doesn't know any better. He's like, oh, Jesus needs my, my food. It's, it's, it's all I got, but here, five loaves, two fish. And, and if you know the story, Jesus feeds 5,000 people and their families with some Lunchables. And he took a little, and he did a lot. So let me finish with this. Oh, people, can you just understand, please? It's not that I want it from you. It's what I want it for you. There's so much in the life that you have with Christ that is unlocked when you begin to be generous. And don't worry about the amount. Pray as the Spirit leads. Be cheerful about what he leads you to give. But give, because God does so much with our little makes it a lot. In the past few years, we've had the privilege of planting two churches. One's uh, just across the way, it's the chapel. Um, it went from uh, uh, being about 10 to 15 people to being about 150 people. That's a, a tenfold increase in the number of folks who go to that church. Isn't that awesome? So yeah, God. They are about to become their own church. They've They've, they've uh, you know, stabilized and grown and been blessed. Guess what? Many of us have gone there. And guess what they took with them? Everything that they gave here. And guess what I say to that? Praise be to God that he would work in that way and use people that we know and love to serve him there and not here. A few months ago, in March, Travis and Mickey planted their church in Ebor. If you were here to hear, listen to Travis preach, God is blessing that thing left and right. He gave them almost a million dollars to buy a church building. It just happened that one of his donors says, we'll, we'll buy you a structure. <laughs> That's crazy, right? And, and so that church is growing. And as they near the first hundred that will be their church, many of us are there. And they're giving there, and it's not here anymore. And again, I say, praise be to God. It's how this has worked for 2,000 years, that the gospel is spread through those who were one place and went to another place. It's great. But here's what that means, church. As he has, and God is just like hand in the bucket all the time. He takes people out, and he fills it right back in. We have the same number of people. We just have different people. And here's what we have. We have a lot of people who are just kind of kicking the tires, right? Hanging out. Some of you went to churches before. You love the big room and the black seats and you can kind of hide. And this is great. Or you're watching us online. That's even better. I don't even have to get on my pajamas. I'm at church. But here's what can happen in those situations. We forget that there is so much that God has called us to. He wants us to live this life with him to the full, making him first, giving him the best of our talents and our treasures and our time, honoring him with all three. And as we do, there will be in God's church more than enough if we all do what he's called us to do and if we're generous as he is generous. Come with us. Learn the joys of giving. Be used of God and watch him work. Can we sing the song and go home?
Let's sing this song.